Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. We're going to talk tonight about uh, principles of building and rebuilding our nation, saving our nation, taking back our nation. Just want to point out that we're taping this prior to knowing the outcome of the Georgia runoff elections. So we will be providing more commentary specifically on that on tomorrow's program. So meanwhile, we do want to continue our reflections about what are the pillars of an America first policy that this movement that President Trump has started, the greatest political movement in our history, the MAGA movement, is based on. What are we trying to do? Because we know, we all of us can recite the long litany of things that are going wrong in America, but the American people want somebody who can provide a vision, a solution, a framework for moving forward. And President Trump and his team have done that. The America First Policy Institute does that. And you can find out more about that at AmericaFirstPolicy.com. And we're going to be looking at, in, in this and future programs, what the pillars of that are when it comes to specific public policy. We've been talking in a, in a couple of programs now about the first of those pillars, a strong economy. In fact, making the world's greatest economy work for all Americans. And we've provided some good biblical background for it. Tonight, I want to get into more of the policy vision of it and also remind you of some of the accomplishments under President Trump that have gotten us uh, to the world's greatest economy, to be the world's greatest economy. So let's go to the scriptures first, however, as we always do. I want to read a powerful, stirring passage from the first chapter of the prophet Isaiah contains many lessons for us, but it's Isaiah 1, starting in verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have had more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams and of the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, 
they may become white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let us pray. Lord, you warn your people that if their hands shed innocent blood, it blocks their prayer. That if they do not do justice, they cut themselves off from you. Hear our prayer, because Lord, we want to repent of our evil deeds. As a nation, we want to be in your favor. We want to do justice and encourage the oppressed. Cleanse our hands, Lord, of any wrongdoing of which we might be guilty, individually or collectively, and set us on the path of redemption. Save our nation. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I often use this passage, friends, in the context of my pro-life work because the implications are obvious when the Lord says your hands are full of blood. Now, it's not that the people themselves were doing the killing. It's that they were tolerating it. It was going on around them and they did nothing to stop it. And so they incurred the guilt of innocent blood. When when, uh, the Lord, through Isaiah, says at the beginning of this passage, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, you people of Gomorrah. He wasn't speaking to Sodom and Gomorrah. He was speaking to his own people. He was calling them names. Because their evil deeds and their failure to do justice earned them that condemnation. Failure to do justice. Justice is when you intervene to save the helpless. When God set his people free from slavery in Egypt, that was an act of justice. When God set us free through the death and resurrection of his son from the kingdom of of death, that was an act of justice. So he says to us who have received the justice, that merciful intervention from God to set us free, he says to us, if you've been saved, you must likewise save. If you've been Rescued, you must likewise rescue. If you have turned to the Lord and said, with hands lifted up, Lord, have mercy, you must hear the cries of other people who are saying those same words to you. Who's the most defenseless? The youngest. Who are the youngest human beings? Who are the most helpless children? The ones in the womb, right? At the very beginning, the ones at the earliest stage of their development, the weakest stage of their strength, the children in the womb, those that are most weak need the most defense. Those that are most voiceless need the strongest voice. Those that are most oppressed need the strongest act of intervention. And God says, what you are doing for the lowly, the oppressed, the weak, the outcast, is affecting your relationship with me. I won't hear you if you continue to be unresponsive to those whose blood is being shed, because then the blood is on your hands. 
That's what this cha- this passage from Isaiah chapter 1 is telling us. It's so ironic in this passage that God is asking them, who told you to have these feasts, these celebrations, these offerings, these sacrifices, these prayers, and this incense? You know what's ironic about that? The answer is, Lord, you did. You told us to have the feasts. You gave us the instructions for setting up the temple. You did it. Now you're saying it's a burden to you? Now you're saying you don't want the very rituals that you commanded? And Lord, we're just following your commands. Why are you all of a sudden rejecting it? And again, God gives the reason. You can't be doing violence and expect the God of peace to be with you. All right, well, this applies, as I said, in our work to defend the most defenseless. And it applies in many other areas as well where we see our country adopting destructive policies, destructive of our economy, destructive of our security, destructive of our border, destructive of law and order in our communities. You know, it hasn't gotten bad enough yet, apparently, for people to solidly, soundly reject the radical left agenda apparently hasn't gotten bad enough for enough voters to translate that into their votes. Although we're making progress, we've analyzed this election for you in some detail. We're making progress. But apparently for a lot of people, it just hasn't gotten bad enough. It will. Because we continue to have people in power who are just well, apparently determined to destroy the country. They won't succeed in ultimately destroying it, but they'll do a lot of damage in the process. And then maybe, just maybe, enough people will wake up to say enough is enough. We've got to vote these people out of office. Making the world's greatest economy work for all Americans. We've been reflecting on this. Government can rob its citizens of a great economy. It can unfairly confiscate the property of hardworking American citizens in order to empower and enrich the corrupt and the powerful. It can crush the poor and regular families through inflationary policies. Inflation is not something that just comes out of nowhere. Oh, you hear you hear some of these Democrat leaders, oh, is it terrible? Yeah, we have we have bad inflation. When they're not pretending that the economy is so great, they'll they'll say, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, this we acknowledge this is a problem. And then they'll lay the blame everywhere except on their own shoulders. Inflationary policies, policies create inflation. Policies that devalue our money, policies that take away product. You you, you lessen the amount of product that a large number of people need. What does that do? Inflates the prices. I'm no economist, but that's basic common sense. Punishing initiative and hard work while rewarding vice. We talked about that in last night's program, 
gathering to itself the power to pick winners and losers in our economy. No, no, everybody has to have equal opportunity. We talked about that too. And it's a very basic biblical principle. All of this destroys common prosperity and it encourages tyranny. Now, the care of orphans and widows and the poor. This is very, very much at the heart of God. But Paul says something in 2 Corinthians 9. Giving, he says, voluntarily, joyfully, and not under compulsion. The sharing of goods has to be through the generosity of God's people in the family, inspired by the church, organized often through the churches, through other kinds of ministries and umbrella organizations, but not through government compulsion. Let the church do her work. That's why administrations like President Trump's administration and before him President George W. Bush, we flourished with religious freedom because our ministries were told, I mean, we were on conference calls with the president when he was in office, saying you are not going to be hindered because of what you believe. You're not going to be at a disadvantage to get, for example, government aid, government contracts. You want to enter into working relationship with agencies in government that can help you accomplish your mission. You shouldn't be punished by the very fact or for the very fact that you believe certain things. You shouldn't feel like you have to hide your faith in order to serve the poor. If you're motivated by serving Christ, you should be able to say so. This is, this is the common sense pro-religious freedom policy of presidents like President Trump. And we experience that. And when you have that approach and you say to the church, we're going to let you be the church and say so. And when you say to ministries like ours, we're going to let you be who you are and do your work and you don't have to apologize for why you're doing it then you don't think that's going to help bolster the economy and, and, and reduce poverty and help people who need the help? The other side says, oh, well, let's just, you know, increase the, 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 the bureaucracy. Let's put more money into these federal agencies. You know, please, please, please give us a break with this nonsense. We don't need more bureaucracy. We don't need more bloated budgets and tens of thousands of government employees to solve these problems. I want to go through a little list here of some of the policies in this realm of making the greatest economy in the world work for all Americans that put America first and that can make this work. First of all, ending historic out-of-control inflation, ending it. Policy goal that we should all be able to agree on. Secondly, fighting for the American worker and their wages. We reviewed in the last program some of the biblical basis for the importance of wages, the right people have to them, and the obligation 
of employers to pay those wages and in a timely way, fighting for the American worker and for their wages. Thirdly, trade deals, negotiating trade deals that actually protect American workers and American consumers and protect our national security. Many of the trade agreements that when President Trump came into office, he pulled us out of were precisely agreements that did harm to us and, and, and helped other countries. Why in the world? Why in the world would we support those things? We don't need trade agreements that are going to hurt our economy and help China or any other nation. Go take a walk, please. Go take a hike. We don't want anything to do with agreements like that. Well, yeah, we can enter into agreements. No man is an island. No country is an island. We need to work together on a global level. Work together as individual nations working together. Not as some kind of sacrificial lambs that are going to, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll enter into this agreement. It's going to help you, but it's going to hurt us. No thanks. President Trump was very strong on this. He'll be strong again as he runs now for another term. Make the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act permanent. Make the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act permanent. Bind supply chains that, uh, build rather, supply chains that rely only on American workers and our allies. Supply chains that rely on America. Or how do you get the, 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 the meat that you uh, buy in the supermarket? Where's the how, where's the, uh, the the chain of, of 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 supply of these goods? How do they get to you? Rely on American sources and our allies. Build the world's greatest infrastructure system, and then enhance opportunity zones to strengthen America's forgotten communities. Again, one of the accomplishments of the Trump administration. And that's what I want to remind you about as well. You know, as we think about where do we want to go, and these are key principles, specific policy prescriptions that can help us. We think about where we want to go with all of this. Let's think about where we have been. And I always love to refresh our memory about some of these historic accomplishments of the four years that President Trump was our 45th uh, president, let me just read through some of these with you. And remember, by remembering where we have been, this gives us the vision of where we want to get back to. We talk about saving our country, but that can't just be a slogan of a few words. We've got to concretize it. What does it mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. Let's remember what happened. Before the China virus invaded our shores, we built the world's most prosperous economy. What happened under President Trump? America gained 7 million new jobs, more than three times the projections and predictions of government experts. Middle-class family income increased nearly $6,000, more than five times the amount that was gained from the entire previous administration, the Obama administration. 
the unemployment rate reached the lowest in half a century, 3.5%. There were 40 months in a row with more job openings than job hirings. More Americans than ever before report ever before. These are are not just good accomplishments. These are historic accomplishments. These are unprecedented accomplishments. More Americans than ever before reporting being employed. Nearly 160 million. Jobless claims hitting an historic low that hadn't been hit in nearly 50 years. The number of people claiming unemployment insurance hit the lowest share of the population on record. The lowest ever. Incomes rose in every single metro area. Incomes rose in every single metro area in the United States of America for the first time in nearly three decades. You know, I I, got to really, I got to pause here. You know, this is really something that's been Well, it always has annoyed me. It's annoying me now as various people contact me. And I guess for most of these people, it is a sincere question. You know, but honestly, sometimes I really got to say to myself, you know, there is such a thing as a stupid question. But I get these people coming to me and saying, you know, why why are you still supporting President Trump? And I got to scratch my head and say, well, what in the world are you even talking about? Why in the world? What I come, to, what comes to my mind first of all is why in the world would you be asking even such a question? I don't understand where the question itself comes from. Is there anything about? And I just look. I just read half a page of I don't know what is it here fifty one pages of a small print of each page filled with with historic accomplishments of an administration just four years in duration, under which he had to spend, he and his team, so much time and so much energy fighting godless, hateful, anti-American forces in the fake news media, in the Democrat radical left uh, 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 wackos, in false impeachment hearings and, and false hoaxes, hoaxes and investigations. If he didn't have to spend all the time and energy counteracting that garbage, this wouldn't be 51 pages. This would be 5,100 pages. And you know what? We can have it back. We can have it all back. So when people start asking me these questions, I mean, I look at them as I'm just scratching my head trying to understand why the question is even being asked. Which one of these things would you rather not have? Let, let, let's go back. No, honestly, you want a higher unemployment rate rather than a lower one? Is that what you want? Is that why you're asking, why am I still supporting President Trump? Let's see, maybe you want, okay, oh, middle-class family income increased nearly $6,000. I know why you're asking the question, because you only want it to increase $1,000. No, you don't even want that. You want it to decrease, right? So God forbid we should have a, a man in office who could, who, who, whose team accomplished this. No, 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 no. No, 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 there's something bad, right? No, I'm challenging you, anti-Trumpers. I'm challenging you. Answer the question. 
No, no, no. This is bad. $6,000. Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is terrible. $6,000. Middle family income increased. They increased, friends. That's an I. It's not a DE. It didn't decrease. Yeah, I got upset about this. I, I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Honestly, friends, if any one of you can make sense of this for me, because you see what these people do who ask these questions, you don't hear a single number coming off their lips. It's as if they forgot that there are numbers. In fact, you don't hear, you don't hear a single fact coming off their lips. The only fact that they can articulate, apparently, is that they dislike Trump. That's the only fact that they can, they, they can voice anymore. Their tongue is locked. They can't articulate any of this. I don't even know if they've ever heard any of this. So we're going to go on. Delivered a future of greater promise and opportunity for citizens of all backgrounds. So what did we experience under this, this president, Donald J. Trump? Unemployment rates for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, Native Americans, veterans, individuals with disabilities, and those without a high school old diploma all reached record, fill in the blank, highs? No. Lows. Record. Not just, not, not, it'd be great enough if it went down. It's not just that it went down. It went down further than it's ever gone down before. Good or bad? Unemployment for women hit its lowest rate in nearly 70 years. Lifted nearly 7 million people off of food stamps. Poverty rates for African Americans and Hispanic Americans reached, again, not just lower levels, but record lows, lower than it had ever gone before. Income inequality fell for two straight years and by the largest amount in over a month? No. Year? No. Five years? No. Decade. I don't know. Did these people ever read these things? The bottom 50%, the bottom 50% of American households saw a 40% increase in net worth. Wages rose fastest for the low-income and blue-collar workers. A 16% pay increase. And finally, African-American home ownership increased from 41.7% to 46.4%. Now, I've gotten through, this first page was half a page, and I just read a third of a page. There's 51 pages here. You know what? Before we're done, we're going to go through all of it, because you see what the radical left wants to do. They don't just want to keep President Trump out of office. And all this nonsense that they're doing, they'll continue to do, is to try to keep him from actually getting another term of a presidency. They don't just want him out of the White House. They want him and his accomplishments out of the minds and hearts of the American people. And we say, we together, you and I say, no way, that's not going to happen. Because we are going to repeat and educate and teach. We're actually going to pick up these numbers and these statistics and these facts and we're going to read them. And we're going to discuss them. And we're going to point out that these things are good, not bad. And the more we can educate ourselves, our fellow citizens, our children, our children's children, our fellow voters, to the good, that has been done. And you know what? He did it already. He can do it again. He did it twice, as a matter of fact. You talk about the greatest economy. 
not only did he build it with his team when he first came into office, but then the China virus hit, things went down, and you know what? They came right back up again. He did it twice. And now we can give him an opportunity to do it a third time. Let's pray. Lord, this is, this is simple. Lord, this is not difficult. Lord, you, you show us a way for the saving of our nation that really, really is not complicated. Lord, we ask, oh, I want to pray right now together with the whole body of Christ that's joining us now. Lord, help your people see the common sense governance, the, the common sense policies, the common sense of recognizing great accomplishments, and the common sense of just wanting this back again. Fill your people, Lord God, with Clarity of understanding, simplicity of heart. Yes, I want what is good. Yes, I want what is good. Lord, let the desire for what is good for our nation, for our economy, for the unemployed, for the poor, for those on food stamps, for families, for businesses, let the desire for what is good for our neighbor, because Lord, you teach us love our neighbor, outweigh the personal antipathies, the personal animosities, the personal preferences, the personal political loyalties, let it outweigh all of that. The negativity, the hatred, the divisiveness. Just, Lord, let in the hearts of your people a desire for what is good for this nation outweigh all of these other things. And lead them to work in such a way as to direct their politics, direct their advocacy, direct their votes back to such tremendous, tremendous thresholds that we have reached. And let's cross them. And let's have it even bigger and greater than it's ever been. Father, is it too much to ask? Is it too much to hope? And we say boldly, no, it's not. For we believe in a God who has given His only Son for our salvation. And Lord, we remember the words of Paul. If He, you that is, Lord, have sacrificed for us even your own Son, how will you not give us all good things besides? And we remember the words of your Son. What father, what parent, if his son asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion. If you who are sinful know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your father bestow good things on anyone who asks him? And so, Father, we do ask you, as our loving Father, as our Father who loves us and who loves America, we do ask you for good things. Bring our nation back. Bring, bring back to us the strongest economy ever. Bring back to us the leaders that can make it happen. We pray now in the words Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for watching, friends. So tomorrow we're going to comment on the Georgia race as we're speaking to you now uh, pre-tape. We don't have the results of that yet, but I know it's on everyone's mind. And we're going to we're going to talk about what's going on and, and where we go uh, next. Obviously, we go forward. We go forward, building on all the gains that we have gained in these midterm elections. And a beautiful thing in America is there's always the next election. It always is there, and we keep moving forward. So thanks. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone, and uh, we will be talking to you again tomorrow. God bless you all. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.